Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby Podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If Annie sees this, what what would you like to say to her? Let us know where she is. She doesn't even have to do that. Just let us know she's all right. She can't call us. She can call Anne, as I said on the radio, Annie. Or call Father Mike. She knows where to call. Today on the Indo Daily, 30 years on, where is Annie McCarrick? She was seen taking the 44 bus down to Enniskerry. For I Annie McCarrick's family, it's been a living nightmare. This morning, like every morning since she disappeared, they've been racking their brains trying to find some clue as to her whereabouts. On the 26th of March, the day Annie disappeared, she was seen getting on a bus for Enniskerry. Gordy believes she may have got to Enniskerry and today they carried out a search of the area. Everyone in Ireland wants to know where is Annie McCarrick? Annie is the young American woman who disappeared outside of Dublin and that just doesn't happen over there. Annie McCarrick was 26 years old when she vanished without a trace. Next month marks the 30th anniversary of her disappearance. I can't describe the feeling. Uh, you block constantly. I can't sleep, that's my biggest problem. Uh, there's great difficulty. My wife and I have blocked out talking about it. I have a hard time, very, very hard time looking at the papers. Uh, that's when I start to cry. I'm Fionn Sheen, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm talking to Claire McGowan, crime fiction writer and author of true crime book, The Vanishing Triangle, The Murdered Women Ireland Forgot about what happened to Annie McCarrick. Claire, Annie McCarrick was a very lively, vivacious young woman in her mid-twenties, originally from America, had moved to Ireland. She still had a a light American uh, accent. Very distinctive look uh, as well with her her, her long, uh, flowing hair. She stood out. Tell us about her and, and her background. Annie was a American, young American woman from New York, and she'd come to Ireland as a student and really loved it, made a lot of friends here. So in her mid-twenties, she came back over. Um, she was 26 at the time she disappeared and living just outside Dublin. And 
she worked in a cafe and she just really enjoyed Ireland by all accounts, just loved it there. And and basically had a great affinity to Ireland because her parents were of Irish heritage and classically fell in love with the, with the myths and, and lores of Ireland, but actually set, settled here pretty well. I mean, she wasn't just somebody who, who came in and out from a, on a holiday. Yeah, she had a lot of friends. Um, so that's, that was partly why she'd come back. She had had a boyfriend when she was at university that she was still quite good friends with and she was friendly with his family still. So she seemed really, really happy in Ireland. So, so take me then to to March of of ninety three. As you say, she's she's working in a, in a coffee shop. She's living in an apartment. She's she's got friends and a social life here. What what do we know of that day when she went missing? The last confirmed sightings of her and what what else she did that day. So her flatmates had gone away for the weekend to see their families. Um, so she was on her own. She told them she was planning to go out for a walk, and we know that she called a couple of people that morning to see whether they might want to come for a walk with her um, and nobody was available. One of the friends that she called, for example, had broken her ankle, so couldn't go with her. Um, and there's actually some CCTV about it, which is kind of unusual in some of these missing persons cases from the time, because there wasn't that much CCTV in Ireland in the early 90s. Um, but she'd happened to go to the bank in the morning. So we actually have a little bit of footage of her and know that she, she went to do that. Um, various people kind of saw her around the town. And then she, a friend also saw her on a bus. So we're pretty sure that she, she got a bus as far as, um, she, we think she was on her way to Enniskerry. Um, and that that's where the kind of trail goes cold. Yeah, so the Enniskerry bus is, that theory stacks up on the basis that she told friends this was where she was going. She was spotted on a bus in, in Dublin City by somebody who knew her. So Yeah, the t- friend was actually on the same bus as her, but yeah. was upstairs, so couldn't couldn't get through, to, didn't think that Annie had seen her, but she was pretty sure that she'd seen Annie. And and, and after that, there's, there's a couple of potential sightings around the Enniskerry area. So there was some suggestion that maybe she'd been in the post office there, but they were never, police were never able to trace whether she'd posted anything. Um, and then the next big sighting, which is not confirmed, but seems quite likely, is that somebody answering her description was in Johnny Fox's pub, which is about four miles away from where she would have been. So there's some questions about how would she have got there? You know, did somebody give her a lift? But the, the staff in the pub were pretty sure that that was her. And there was no CCTV again either. I asked the guardian who worked on the case and they had come to be pretty sure that that was her as well. We're, we're on a weekend. We're on a Friday at, at that point. When, when do when do the alarm bells start going off that, that potentially there's something wrong here? So because her friends and flatmates had gone away for the weekend, there was no one to spot that she'd gone missing. And she had some friends coming for dinner on the Saturday night and she'd done her shopping for that on the Friday um, and one thing that was strange about it was she'd left her groceries out, so she hadn't put them in the fridge, even though she had butter and cream and things like that, so which kind of suggested maybe she'd left in a bit of a hurry to catch her bus. But on the Saturday, her friends came around for dinner as planned. Um, there was no one there. And because this is 93, obviously no one has mobiles. Um, a lot of people don't even have landlines at this time in the countryside. Uh, and they couldn't get through to her, so eventually they actually called her mother in New York, and that was when people started to be a bit worried because it just was quite out of character for her to forget something like that. And so then at, at that point, it's basically, it begins to be getting cranked up into a, a, a full-scale missing persons case. Yes. There's a, there's a massive investigation kicks in here, really. You're searching for a missing person today in whatever shape or form that may take. We set up a mobile communication centre out at Johnny Fox's and we did carry out 
uh, massive searches of the Dublin and Wicklow Mountains. Yeah, it really did attract a lot of attention. Um, and Annie's father was actually a policeman in New York. So um, I think that was kind of part of the narrative as well, that she'd come somewhere, she'd come from somewhere that seemed quite dangerous in the 90s. And then she'd, she'd moved to somewhere that seemed so safe. And she seemed to have felt very safe in Ireland, certainly. And then she'd gone missing. Uh, so there was a huge, huge search for her. And even the FBI came over and, and got involved. And there was a private detective who came over and searched for her. But ultimately, nothing was really found. My daughter, my only child, has been missing in this country for a year. And uh, we're no further along than we were when we first arrived over here a year ago. They piece together her movements in Sandy Mount in Dublin, where she's living. There's then the the bus route uh, out to, to Enniskerry. There's a potential sighting in a, in a coffee shop as well, but nobody is quite clear. And then, as you say, there's the... There's the bag of groceries that are left on the table, which including perishable items, which suggests that she felt she would be back relatively early that evening. Within the couple of sightings then, both in the coffee shop and at Johnny Fox's pub, there's potentially an, an another young man spotted at the well at these locations. Well, it was interesting. I think it's interesting that, of course, nowadays there would be CCTV all over the bar probably. And also quite a few of the people who were there would have their phones out and there's a good chance she would have been in one of the pictures. And actually, there were quite a few people there, even even in the days before mobile phones, who'd taken pictures at the pub that night, but the police weren't able to find any trace of any. But the bar staff seemed to really remember this what, this young woman coming in with the man. So for them to have remembered that, there must have been something that could have caught their attention because it was, it was a few different members of staff had noticed it. that, um, And the, the doorman said... Um, a young woman came in who looked a bit like Annie. The girl, she came in there, she strolled over, just about over there. And at that stage, I just caught her in the arm and I said, sorry, look, there's a cover charge in here. At that stage, she stopped and she looked in her bag like if she was looking for money, but it wasn't like if she was going to get money. At that stage, the chap behind, he said, I'll get that. It didn't seem like she knew this man, but um, it seemed like perhaps she'd ended up having a drink with him. Nowadays, there's mobile phones, so she would have texted people, potentially taken photos, potentially uploaded them on onto mm-hmm. social media. There's a proliferation of CCTV. You've got number plate recognitions. The only CCTV that there is on that day is her and the banker on that day. And then we've a couple of, of physical sightings. It's it's a very different environment to to nowadays when technology means that it's it's very easy to trace people. So it's kind of unthinkable now that something like this would happen. You mean you'd have CCTV on the bus as well for a start. Um, and we'd know for certain whether she, she she was changing buses and to go to Enniskerry. So we'd know for certain whether she actually did do that change. Yeah, the pub would have it. And probably people even have dash cams nowadays. So even if you're just driving past someone on the road, you can sometimes capture important evidence. The investigation, it was high profile in its own right, probably because she was American. But one of the points you make in the book is that societal norms of the time meant that it didn't get the dramatic amount of attention that you would have expected, I suppose. Well, it seemed that the Gardaí just didn't really ever believe that someone could be abducted by a stranger in Ireland. And um, that just didn't seem to arise for quite some time as a possibility that, you know, we could have somebody snatching people off the road. Um, so I think I think the assumption was if a woman went missing like that, that she'd gone off by, her, by herself of her own accord. What do you make of... The various theories uh, of what happened to Annie McCarrick. 
Well, so as you know, that Annie was the first disappearance of this period of the mid-90s. And over the next five years, there would be a total of eight women would go missing around Dublin. In a kind of 80 miles square area, some quite close to Dublin, some a bit further afield. So people eventually began to think, are these disappearances all connected? And is there a serial killer that could have been loose in Ireland and nobody, not only did they not get caught, but nobody even really noticed and didn't connect the dots at the time. Which is quite shocking, actually, to think that that could happen in Ireland. And I imagine if Annie had moved back there from somewhere like New York, she probably felt Ireland was much safer than where she'd grown up. And she probably didn't think anything like that could happen to her. In terms of who people believe was was behind this, much of the focus has ultimately fallen on Larry Murphy. What do you make of that theory in particular? Uh, the reason for that was um, a number of years after this, sort of eight, eight, seven or eight years after Annie went missing, this man, Larry Murphy, was interrupted. He'd abducted a woman off the street in Carlow and he had assaulted her several times viciously and he was in the process of murdering her. So she was probably really seconds from death, this woman, and it just happened that it was very, it was middle of the night, you know, middle of nowhere. Just so happened that a couple of men had been out hunting and they stumbled upon this happening and were able to rescue her and they actually recognized the man who was doing this to her locally and they, they were able to identify him uh, so we went to prison for that and got out after about 10 years larry murphy never spoke about his crime or other crimes while he was in prison here for the past 10 years to fellow inmates prison officers or guardy who sought to interview him when his brother asked him why he did what he did he told him he had simply flipped out he has now been categorized as a high-risk sex offender, and even though he has seven days to register his new address with the Gardaí, he is being closely watched, and the Sex Offenders Management Unit is monitoring his activities and his whereabouts. People started to wonder, you know, this is he's abducted this woman into his car, or he's done it in such a practiced way. Has he done this before? Is he behind these other disappearances? But they're never able to get any evidence about that, so it just remains as a theory at the moment. What? do you make of another theory that came along in in later years and that was that she she basically bumped into a man who was a a provisional IRA member on the run and that ultimately he had killed her. I think that's very plausible. I think we we know that there were definitely men within the IRA who were known to be violent to women and girls and much in the same way the church dealt with it they were just moved around. They weren't and there was no justice or anything. They just were moved around so they could do it again. And there was some theory that this man had been moved to the area because he'd done something in the north to a woman or a girl. My theory, and this is just based on you know looking into the cases in a lot of detail, but absolutely no evidence for it and none to be found at the moment. Um, I just I think some of the cases that we grouped together in this vanishing triangle were connected, and some of them weren't. I think if you look in some of them, there is a quite an obvious suspect in each case, and it's someone who was known to the woman. Um, but I also think, yeah, several of the cases, they probably were abducted by a stranger. We're talking about Annie McCarrick, Fiona Sinnott, Eva Brennan, Kira Breen, Fiona Pender, Deirdre Jacob, Jojo Dollard, Imelda Keenan. Now, Annie McCarrick, as you point out, it's the first case. 30 years on, do you think what uh, the advances of in, in technology or um, detective techniques and so on are, are we ever going to get to the bottom of the, of this well the problem with the missing persons case is there can just be absolutely no evidence you know there's no crime scene if you don't even know exactly where they were last seen 
Um, there's no body, there's no forensics, there's just nothing. So that's still happening nowadays. I mean, we saw in England um, just a couple of weeks ago, a woman's gone missing um, and she's she's still not been found. But I think there would be a lot more CCTV and there'd be a phone trail and they would have been able to trace Annie's own phone as well, see how far it went. So there'd certainly be a lot more evidence. I think, I'd like to think that the, so for example, you mentioned Eva Brennan. So she went missing only four months after Annie and quite nearby. Eva went missing, it's 20 years ago now, now, the 25th of July, 1993. Just disappeared, she vanished. She was probably also walking along the road at the time when she went missing, um, but the police didn't seem to feel that they could possibly be connected, even though Eva's family actually, they knew of Annie's disappearance and suggested it could be connected, but they weren't really taken seriously, according to what they said. So I think it, it probably could still happen today, sadly, but. I'd like to think not not the sheer number of disappearances. I don't think that could happen without people starting to put it together. Because we also have social media now, so it's quite possible that back in 1993, people just hadn't really even heard about this case. And I don't remember hearing about any of these cases when I was in my teens in Ireland at the time. Over the years, uh, Annie McCarrick's family and, and friends have kept uh, this case uh, alive. They, there have been lawyers involved in, from the United States, as you say, private investigators, the FBI uh, involved. And, and unfortunately, her, her father has died in, in, in the meantime. Are you of the view that you know, they'll ever get peace or resolution here? I think, as you said earlier, the only way that could happen really is either some evidence gets turned up. And that can always happen because... If somebody's been murdered, then their body has to be somewhere. Um, or someone would eventually maybe talk. So those are the really probably the only two ways that it could be solved. But we, we are seeing cases getting solved 30, 40 years after they've happened, you know, thanks to DNA advances and so on. But when you've just got no evidence like this, it's, it's really tricky. My thanks to Claire McGowan for joining me today. I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Clips from The Late Late Show on RTE, Liveline on RTE Radio 1, RTE News, Sconnell on RTE and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, follow us wherever you get your podcasts.